Hello and welcome to the Heiress of Slytherin, a Harry Potter podcast. I'm Micaela, your host. Hello, today's episode will be going over chapters 2 and 3 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Chapter 2 is The Vanishing Glass and Chapter 3 is The Letters from No One. So, there isn't really much new Wizarding World news, so... I can just get right into the review, but before I do that, I want to say that this will rarely happen where I'll put two chapters into one episode. It just works out with these two chapters in particular to put them into one episode. Usually all episodes will just be one chapter per episode, but some will be maybe a part one of a chapter, then the next episode will be a part two or something like that because some of the chapters in the later books especially have so much content in them and so much to go over. It's super fun. So those are the ones that'll probably be parts one and two. But for this one, I get to combine these two chapters into this episode. So a brief summary from the last episode for chapter one of the book was we were basically introduced to some big characters, Dumbledore, McGonagall, Hagrid, We even had mentions of Sirius Black for the first time. We talked about the Dursleys, of course, a little bit. Mentioned Voldemort. So the Wizarding World was celebrating the supposed demise of Voldemort, who was the darkest wizard of all time at that point. And the Muggles were noticing because the Wizarding World was celebrating so much. And we learned that the Potters were killed by Voldemort. And he tried to kill their little son, Harry, but he survived. And Harry now has to stay with his only living relatives, the Dursleys, who are this awful, boring, plain. They're really mean muggles, They so they have no magic. And they treat him very cruelly, and we're going to kind of get into that as well. So, of course, last episode was the very first chapter. That was a little recap just now. Now, nearly 10 years have passed since the events in that chapter, and right away the chapter starts and Petunia is yelling at Harry to wake him up. He sleeps in a cupboard under the stairs, so that is the first sign of cruelty. Dudley, his cousin, has his bedroom, and then he has a second bedroom, and they, Harry has lived in a cupboard for his whole life, pretty much. And it's the tiniest space. He has almost no belongings. And the Jerseys are just terrible people to him. They really are. They're some of my least favorite characters in the entire series, all three of them. And this day in particular happens to be Dudley's birthday. He's turning 11. It's June 23rd. So Aunt Petunia wakes Harry up and makes him go out into the kitchen to look after the bacon. And of course, since Dudley is a very spoiled boy, he has a bunch of presents all on the table. And then we get into how Dudley is described. He is described as very fat and hated exercise, unless, of course, it included punching somebody. And Dudley's favorite punching bag was Harry, but he often couldn't catch him because Harry was pretty fast. So the way Harry's described, perhaps it has something to do with living in a dark cupboard. But Harry had always been small and skinny for his age. He looked even smaller and skinnier than he really was because all he had to wear were old clothes of Dudley's. And Dudley was about four times bigger than he was. Harry had a thin face, knobbly knees, black hair, and bright green eyes. He wore round glasses held together with a lot of scotch tape because of all the times Dudley had punched him on the nose. The only thing Harry liked about his own appearance was a very thin scar on his forehead that was shaped like a bolt of lightning. He had had it as long as he could remember, 
and the first question he could ever remember asking his Aunt Petunia was how he had gotten it. And right away we learned that the Dursleys tell Harry that his parents died in a car crash. This is a lie, but she always tells him don't ask questions because they don't talk about Harry's parents. Like he knows nothing about them except this lie that they died in a car crash. Something else that's mentioned about Harry is his hair and how Vernon yells at Harry to comb his hair all the time because his hair is constantly growing no matter how many haircuts he get. Just about once a week, Vernon shouts this at him, but Harry gets them all the time and it makes no difference. His hair simply just grows all over the place and just like has a mind of its own. And this is a sign of his magic. This is also a feature that he shares with his dad. His dad has the round glasses and he also has messy hair. And so Harry, when people see him, like he looks just like James, he has Lily's eyes, but his dad, James, he has the unruly hair. So Dudley looks at his pile of presents and there's 36 of them. And he says that's two less than last year, but then they remind him that Aunt Marge's present is there as well. So he has 37 total and Dudley is still upset that he only has 37. So his parents tell him, okay, we'll buy you two more presents when we're out today. And so Dudley is also described as not very smart because he can't even add 37 plus two. He doesn't know that it's 39. And so we also get introduced to Aunt Marge here for the first time. So Aunt Marge, short for Marjorie, she is the sister to Vernon. So she's Dudley's aunt. And she's the one that we meet in Prisoner of Azkaban. And she's pretty cruel to Harry. And she's the one that he unintentionally inflates like a big balloon. So all of the Dursleys are just bad, mean people. I mean, Dudley is a spoiled brat who always complains and he just get what he gets what he wants and his aunt is terrible his dad is terrible both of his parents are just enablers they're bad parents they're enabling him to act terribly towards his cousin and they act terribly towards it like their nephew so they are they're just bad people all around so for dudley's birthday today his mom and dad are taking him and his friend pierce polkas to the zoo and of course they're not going to take harry because they don't like harry and they don't take him anywhere Someone that frequently babysits Harry is their neighbor, Mrs. Fig, from across the street. And this is important as well because she's somebody who Dumbledore asks to look after Harry while he's at the Dursleys, while he's living at Privet Drive all these years. And he doesn't find that out until Order of the Phoenix, so a few years after this. So Arabella Fig is her name. She is a squib. A squib is someone who was born into a wizarding family, but they don't have any magical powers. So it's almost the opposite of a muggle-born who was born to a non-wizarding family, but they do have magical powers. So Mrs. Fig ends up breaking her leg and she can't take Harry to watch him while the Dursleys are out for Dudley's birthday. Dudley is absolutely just hysterical over this. He is so upset. He does not want Harry to go with them. But they really don't have a choice. And the Dursleys talk about Harry like he's not there, kind of weighing their options to see what to do with him. Vernon even suggests asking Marge and then Petunia is no, he, she hates the boy. So they often speak about Harry like he's not there or that he's like really stupid and they won't understand. They even suggest one of Petunia's friends, but she's on vacation. And so they're just all 
upset. Even Harry says that they can leave him alone. He won't do anything. But Petunia eventually says that they just have to bring Harry with them. And then Dudley throws like a little tantrum. He's not really crying, but he's acting like he's crying, just kind of making his face look that way because he usually gets what he wants if he does that with his big pretend sobs. And then his friend Pierce arrives and he's described just like a scrawny little boy. He also doesn't like Harry. Then suddenly, for the first time in his whole life, Harry is on his way to the zoo. He can't believe his luck. Vernon does warn him, no funny business, but Harry says nothing will happen. And Vernon doesn't believe him. So strange things do happen around Harry, but it's not because he makes them happen. And this is his magic. And Vernon and Petunia don't want those signs of magic. So they get mad at him, but it's really not Harry's fault. It's and it's a natural thing that's occurring. So same with Harry, his, his haircuts. He'll get them frequently and then all of a sudden his hair grows back again like overnight. And so he even recalls that one time when Petunia cut his hair so short that he was practically bald except for she left some bangs to cover his horrible scar. And so Harry, of course, was just dreading school the next day. He knew he was going to get made fun of even more because he already was for his baggy clothes, his taped glasses. But his hair ended up growing back exactly the way it was before she cut it. And so he can't explain how it happens. He doesn't actually do it himself. But even from that incident, he had been given a week in his cupboard for this. That was his punishment. He just couldn't come out. Something else he got in trouble for one time was when Dudley and his friends were chasing Harry. And he ended up being on the roof of the school and the Dursleys received a really angry letter from the school telling him that Harry was climbing school buildings. But as he was telling Uncle Vernon through his locked cupboard was that he was just trying to jump behind the trash cans outside of the doors. And he just thought that the wind caught him mid-jump. And so, of course, he's a little boy. He doesn't really know what happened. He just is figuring the only logical thing that there might be, which is the wind just caught him. But Harry's confident that nothing's going to go wrong that day. He's just glad he's spending the day somewhere different and somewhere he's never been, which is the zoo. And so Vernon always complains about things. And that morning when they were driving to the zoo, he was complaining about motorcycles. So all of a sudden, Harry's just kind of thinking out loud. And he says that he had a dream about a motorcycle that was flying. Of course, you remember he was brought to Privet Drive on a flying motorcycle. And right away, Vernon bellows at Harry, motorcycles don't fly. So Vernon, they just always shut Harry down. Vernon, Petunia, Petunia and Dudley, they're just so mean to him. And he's just kind of thinking out loud. And that's just a sign too. Like Harry's just like whatever. He talked and he got just attacked. It was just ridiculous. So they're at the zoo for a while. And of course, something happens. A really big sign of Harry's magic is that he starts talking to the snake there without really realizing that the snake can understand him. And so this is the parcel tongue introduction. So parcel tongue is the language of serpents. An individual who can speak parcel tongue is a parcel mouth. So Harry is a parcel mouth. It's very uncommon. It's a very rare ability. And it usually is hereditary. 
So Harry was speaking parcel tongue here. He just didn't realize it. So it's pretty cool. This is, this is his first really, like, this is the introduction to parcel tongue in the series, which becomes important later on, especially in the next book. It's mentioned a lot. So basically, Dudley's friend Pierce notices the snake is actually being pretty cool, and he calls Dudley over. They push Harry out of the way, and all of a sudden, the glass vanishes, and the snake like slithers out thanks harry and then harry could have sworn he heard a little hissing voice so of course pierce and dudley screaming they're exaggerating the snake and vernon and petunia are just they're very unhappy by this and pierce is saying that the snake almost wrapped all the way around him and suffocated him and Dudley saying that it almost bit him. The snake avoided them. It was, they're just being dramatic. But of course, Vernon and Petunia are not happy, especially Vernon. He sends Harry to his cupboard right away with no meals. And he just has to stay in there because he's locked in. It's just really cruel. So when Harry does eventually fall asleep, he sometimes has a very distant dream, a little more, more of a nightmare. It's where he sees the vision of a blinding flash of green light and a burning pain in his forehead. And he just kind of thinks it's the car crash where his parents died. Of course, we know they didn't die in a car crash. They were, in fact, killed by Voldemort. But Harry will be told that pretty soon. So Harry just kind of always fantasizes of some unknown relative, unknown person coming to take him away because his life is awful. The Dursleys are terrible people and this this kind of happened soon with Hagrid which is exciting but he always when the few times he isn't in the cupboard or at school or at Mrs. Figs he when he's out in public with the Dursley sometimes he gets the feeling that strangers know him um, one time Daedalus Diggle who was mentioned in the first chapter who was a member of the Order of the Phoenix even came up to him and shook his hand so this man was wearing a violet top hat. So the author has said that witches and wizards will wear purple and green in the Mungle world so that they could recognize each other. That's kind of a sign letting them know that they're magical. And so Daedalus Diggle, when he's out in the Mungle world, he does do that. And so that was an important takeaway, like that color that was mentioned. In other instances, Harry also recalls these people wearing these colors, green and purple. But, of course, they seem to vanish right away, which we know they do through apparition. And, basically, the chapter finishes up that Harry... It's reiterated that Harry is completely alone in his life, pretty much. At home, at school. He can't even call that place a home, but he's pretty much alone anywhere. So, chapter three is the letters from no one. And the zoo incident earned Harry his longest punishment ever. It was on June 23rd was Dudley's birthday when they went to the zoo and now we're in July. So school will be starting fairly soon. Dudley is going to be attending Vernon's old private school called Smeltings and Harry is going to be going to the local public school which is called Stonewall. And so for the first time in his life he won't be with Dudley like in a class with Dudley. So I think that's a little bit of a positive and they're going into secondary school in September. That's what grade they're in so the american equivalent at their age is basically about fifth grade it'd be about fifth or sixth grade just because of their summer birthdays so one morning 
Harry is sent to go get the mail and he goes to grab it and there ends up being a letter for Harry. He's confused. He has no friends. He has no relatives. He doesn't even belong to the library is one of his thoughts. Like, I don't belong to the library. I don't have an overdue book. That's just Harry's thought because he has nobody that would be writing to him. However, the letter has a purple wax seal with a coat of arms of a lion, an eagle, a badger, and a snake surrounding a large H. Of course, this is the Hogwarts coat of arms, Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. So the lion is for Gryffindor, eagle is for Ravenclaw, badger for Hufflepuff, and the snake for Slytherin. So right away, Dudley starts to freak out that Harry's got something. Vernon and Petunia also freak out because they they know what it is. And so they take it from him. Harry wants to read it and he's mad that they won't let him. It's my letters addressed to me. Dudley's mad too because Harry has something. And basically, Vernon and Petunia kick Dudley and Harry out of the kitchen and they don't want to leave because Harry's telling them it's my letter. Like, I want it. He's shouting at them to give it back to him because it's his. And Dudley's just mad because Dudley's ridiculous that Harry has something and he doesn't. He's just mad. So basically, they're thrown out of the kitchen, and Vernon and Petunia are talking. They're wondering how they know the exact address. How could they possibly know where he sleeps? Do they, are they watching the house? And Vernon says maybe they're spying, and they're, they just decide to ignore the letter. They won't do anything. Vernon even tells Petunia, I'm not having one in the house, Petunia. Didn't we swear when we took him in we'd stomp out that dangerous nonsense? So... Harry is in his cupboard. He can't stop thinking about the letter. It was literally addressed to Mr. H. Potter, cupboard under the stairs, number four, Privet Drive. Like, it had his exact location, basically. And so, that evening, for the very first time, Vernon goes to visit Harry in the cupboard, and he tells him that the letter was addressed to him by mistake. Harry argues that it wasn't. He doesn't believe him because it had my cupboard on it. Because that's that's Harry's place. So he's tells him, oh yeah, um, you're actually getting too big for the cupboard. You can have Dudley's second bedroom. So it takes Harry exactly one trip to move everything he owns up to Dudley's second bedroom. And Dudley is furious he's throwing a fit that harry's in there now and he thinks even like on that day harry even just thinks to himself he wants the letter so badly that he thinks he'd rather be back in his cupboard with his letter than without it and of course he doesn't think another one's going to arrive for him but as the days go on more letters continue to arrive everywhere and so harry wants his letter more than anything Dudley is upset because he's ridiculous, and now the the location on the address part of the envelope is changed to the smallest bedroom. So, one morning, Harry has the idea to wake up early to go meet the postman at the corner of Privet Drive to get his letter. However, he accidentally steps on Uncle Vernon, who actually slept at the door in the sleeping bag. So, Vernon decides he just has to board up the mail slot. So he even tells Petunia, see, he explains to Petunia through a mouthful of nails, if they can't deliver them, they'll just give up. I'm not sure that'll work, Vernon. Oh, these people's minds work in strange ways, Petunia. They're not like you and me, said Uncle Vernon. So 
This just is another example of how ridiculous Vernon is. Petunia isn't convinced she knows more about magic because of her sister was a witch, of course, and the Muggle family. And Vernon just seriously, does he just have an overinflated sense of his own importance? Does he really think he's that above wizards? Him, an ordinary plain muggle with no magic, thinks that with powerful witches and wizards with magic aren't going to find a way to get this letter delivered. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me how he's just awful. He really thinks he's that good, like, at everything. It's just, and he really thinks he's that above, I don't know. It's just weird. It's comical at how he thinks, at really how his mind operates. And his plans don't work. Letters keep arriving. Petunia even finds them inside each of the two dozen eggs. And Vernon just starts making calls to the post office, to dairy departments, trying to find people to complain to. Even Dudley is like, who wants to talk to you this badly? And Harry's confused too, but he still wants to read the letter. So on a Friday, 12 letters arrive. On a Saturday, 24 arrive. And then on the Sunday, Vernon is very happy. He says no post arrives on Sundays, so they're not going to receive any letters. However, all of a sudden, out the chimney or down the chimney, out the fireplace come 30, 40 letters. They're just flying out. And so I wanted to mention how this entire, I guess this chapter in the movie, in the Sorcerer's Stone movie, is done really well. I really like it. The way that they're finding letters everywhere and then the scene where they're flying out of the fireplace. It's really well done. I like it a lot. So they're flying out of the fireplace everywhere. Ten minutes later, they're in the car ready to go. Vernon is just so dangerously furious that no one's even arguing with him. They're just kind of getting their stuff, going in the car and they're driving. Driving away, Petunia doesn't even ask where they're going. Every now and then, Uncle Vernon just kind of takes a turn in the opposite direction. They drive in that direction for a while, but basically, he just thinks he's so smart and clever. He thinks that he's shaking them off their trail, and that's 100% not the case. So, they don't even stop to get anything to eat. They just drive, and eventually, they get to a hotel, Dudley is upset because he missed his TV shows. He's hungry. He, they're, it's just not a good environment. They're all unhappy. So they spend the night at a hotel and at breakfast the next morning, a hotel employee comes up to them. It's actually the owner of the hotel and he has a letter for Harry addressed to Mr. H. Potter, room 17, Railview Hotel, Cokeworth. So, of course, Vernon takes the letter and Harry is mad because he can't see it again. So, Cokeworth is actually the town where Petunia and her sister Lily grew up in. This is also the town where Snape grew up in. That's where he met Lily before they went to Hogwarts. That's where he kind of told her a little bit about the Wizarding World because Snape wasn't a muggle-born. He was a half-blood. So this, honestly, if you think about it, it might provide a little bit of PTSD almost for Petunia because she wanted to be a witch so bad when Lily got the letter and she never, she was a muggle. She had no magic, so she didn't have the opportunity to go to Hogwarts like her sister did. 
it really started her jealousy for her at a young age and it's something that she never let go of so of course the wizards they still found where harry was staying so Vernon decides he's going to try to outsmart them again and they leave the hotel and they drive again for almost an entire day. It is now Monday, the 30th of July and Dudley says that it's Monday and he wants to go back home because he's going to miss his favorite TV show. But Harry realizes if it's Monday, that means the 30th and his birthday is the next day on Tuesday, July 31st. So he realizes that it'll be his 11th birthday tomorrow and Vernon is just driving. He doesn't know where, like no one knows where Vernon is really going. Like they don't really know what his destination is and where he wants to go. And so of course his birthdays, Harry's birthdays are never really fun. The year before the Dursleys got him a coat hanger and a pair of Uncle Vernon's old socks for his birthday. So he doesn't really have great birthdays, but you're not you don't turn 11 every day so at one point uncle vernon just stops he goes and he kind of disappears then he comes back with a long thin package doesn't tell petunia what it is when she asks what he bought he just says that he found the perfect place and basically it's just a large rock way out in the sea and there's a little shack on that rock out in the sea so there's a storm it's starting to rain and an old man takes a rowboat and basically rows them out to that little shack on the rock. And it's small, it's gross, it's run down. But now Vernon is happy because he thinks they're so far away and in the middle of nowhere almost so that they can't possibly find them there. They can't know that they're there. So... Harry, of course, has to just sleep on the floor. He found the softest bit of floor that he could and had to use the thinnest, most ragged blanket. Dudley got the sofa, of course. So right now, he it's almost midnight. Harry is looking at the watch on Dudley's wrist to keep track of the time. So he's just counting down five minutes, four minutes, three minutes, two minutes. But he keeps hearing these noises outside. He continues to just count down, looks at Dudley's watch, and at 30 seconds to go, he even considers just waking up Dudley to annoy him. And all of a sudden, boom, these noises, and there is someone knocking at the door, and it's no one other than Hagrid, of course. So that is where the chapter ends, and I want to get into some of the questions. So... I wonder, like, so Harry wonders if the Dursleys will even remember his birthday. Um, I feel like they, they do obviously know when his birthday is, but Vernon is just so concerned with getting away so that he won't get a letter that it's definitely not even on his mind. So he's just not really thinking about it. Something else that I asked was if it would have been better for Harry if Vernon and Petunia just made stuff up about his parents they obviously didn't care to do so but shutting him down every time it was just what was the point of that like they were just so obsessed with keeping everything from him and one of my listeners julia said that harry has a good heart so he him not knowing about his parents just made him want to seek out the information and then when he had the opportunity it was when hagrid came it was great 
So Nilda said that Vern and Petunia just couldn't be bothered to give Harry any information. They made up the lie about the car crash and just didn't want to give any details. And it was just sad for Harry to live with such uncaring and unkind adults and their son. And I also asked if you could imagine, just try to imagine a little young Harry trying to almost fit in with his cousin and his aunt and his uncle. He was just a little kid. He probably tried to show affection and talk to the Dursleys when he was growing up. I mean, he was left on their doorstep when he was a month, uh, sorry, a year and three months old. And eventually he just learned that he wasn't important to them. And at some point he probably just stopped trying. He was a little kid. He grew up with no love, no care, no respect, nothing. Because at this point he's only 10, just now turning 11. So my listener Nilda said that unfortunately at a very young age, Harry must have figured out how insignificant he really was to the only family he had. So to live being just constantly bullied and belittled and mistreated or completely ignored it probably aided in developing his like his instincts developing him into someone who was brave and just daring and he had a lot of nerve which is of course the Gryffindor traits so I think that is true I think that just living in that environment really just molded him to who he is but it didn't change how good his character was he could have grew up to be someone really terrible, but he wasn't. He didn't grow up that way. He didn't grow up to be that cruel type of person. And I also asked, based on how he was treated by the Dursleys, it was really clear that Harry was unloved, of course. However, he seems to be a pretty nice kid. Like, do you think that the Dursleys' mistreatment of Harry could have caused extreme resentment? Noel just said that Harry doesn't have many opportunities to show he is nice. But it's remarkable that he isn't more of a cross between Dudley and Malfoy. And I 100% agree. I will be doing an episode on Dudley and Malfoy's similarities because it's ridiculous how terrible they both are and how they're very similar. And there, he does have some resentment for sure, but he's just so young and he hasn't changed into like a mean teenager. And we never really experienced a truly resentful Harry because Hogwarts gives him that unique life. And then one more thought that one of my listeners had was that it is heartbreaking how Aunt Petunia mistreated Harry and allowed her husband and son to be cruel to her dead sister's child. And there definitely is something horribly warped with that woman. And I definitely agree. And I'll be doing an episode where I focus on the Dursleys and just kind of that dynamic and everything. It'll mostly be about Petunia, of course, because I think she's terrible. And I really do think that she's up there with like Umbridge for worse characters. She, I think she deserves more hate than she gets in the fandom because she just really is really bad and I think that it says a lot about who they are how they are that they're treating their family member their her nephew her sister's son it's just it's really messed up but that'll definitely be a good discussion point in a future episode so that pretty much wraps up today's episode just if you would like to contact me, any questions, anything like that, my email is the heiress of Slytherin podcast at gmail.com. Twitter account is at Slytherin pod. Facebook page is the heiress of Slytherin podcast. And a YouTube page will be coming soon. I also wanted to remind everybody of the platforms that this podcast is available on. Of course, Anchor. And it's also available on Spotify, Radio Public. Breaker, 
and Pocket Casts. And in the next week or so, it'll be available on Google Podcasts. And I'll always update on any other platforms that it becomes available on. So for next week's episode, make sure you read Chapter 4, The Keeper of the Keys. That's the end of this week's episode. Thank you for listening to The Heiress of Slytherin. I'm Micaela. Bye.